0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It is Tuesday, the 8th day of July 2019. This is episode 83 of Connecting Dots. This is part two of a five-part series where we're going to talk about some basic, fundamental financial concepts when it comes to investing. Today, we're going to talk about the words qualified and non-qualified. Now, before we begin, my name is Paul Truesdell, and you are listening to Connecting Dots, but make sure to read the disclaimer in our show notes before each episode. Well, let's get started. we got a lot of room and a lot of things to cover real quickly. When we talk about qualified and non-qualified, a lot of people get really freaked out about this because it is something that people just, like, don't understand. When I use the word qualified, a lot of people go, oh, you mean an IRA. No, I don't mean an IRA. Qualified is a term that is used by the Internal Revenue Service, and it's a term that I want you to get used to, and it simply means that the government is giving special qualifications or characteristics to this money. Now, the government tries to incentivize us to save, and one of the ways they do that is to say, hey, if you put money away and you promise to hang on to it and not spend it until you get to an older age when you're not likely going to be working and you're going to need it, we will give you some tax benefits. In other words, that money will accumulate tax deferred. If it accumulates tax deferred, hey, guess what? That's cool. You get a little bit more than what you would if you're going to pay taxes. That's the way it works. See, the government wants to make sure that you've got some money put aside for old age because if you don't have enough and Social Security is not enough, then you're going to be on Medicaid, which is welfare. And that's one of the big problems we have with baby boomers and the tremendous number of people who will be flooding into the long-term care, assisted care, all the different nursing home type facilities in the next few years. So the government, they definitely want you to save money because you have to spend that money down in order to qualify for Medicaid. So everything is either qualified, meaning it's a government program that's sanctioned, or it's non-qualified. So what would qualified plans be? Well, one would be an individual retirement account. You have, one, a traditional account, and two, you have the Roth account. I'm not going to get into the details of the difference between a Roth and an IRA. That's not what we're doing. We're making sure that you understand that there's only two types of money, qualified and non-qualified. And yesterday, we told you it was ownership and loanership. So you got stocks, you got a mutual fund, you got an ETF, you got a brokerage account. That account may be either qualified or non-qualified. If it's non-qualified, well, that's a brokerage account, a standard mutual fund. It's in your own name. It's in the name of you and your spouse, like joint tenants in the entireties or rights of survivorship. It might be in the name of living trust. So these are important concepts. The key thing is, in a non-qualified account, as you receive interest, dividends, and capital gains, you have to pay that in the year in which you receive it. But with qualified money, here's the key thing. You do not own your qualified money. That is an absolute critical concept to understand. You see, once you have something called incidence of ownership, In other words, you can do with what you want, you please with it, then it's taxable to you. But you can't do that with an IRA, can you? You can't do anything you want. It's actually owned by a third party entity and there are trustees. That's why many of you have trustee fees It's because there's actually a third party that is handling the money for you. You did not actually receive it. Now, what are some types of plans? Well, you have 401ks in the private sector, you also have 403bs, which are also known as tax sheltered annuities. You also have deferred compensation, which falls under section 457 of the tax code. But deferred compensation in the public sector should not be misconstrued with deferred compensation in the private sector. Deferred compensation in the public sector is qualified, but in the private sector, it's not. In the private sector, it works different. It's basically like saying, hey, listen, boss, I really don't want my money. I've got all the money that I need right now. Can you hold it on? Hold on for it to me. and I'll just sign. How about you give me an IOU? You promise to pay me in the future. And you just hang on to the money. And eventually when I leave work, you you pay me all that money. And how about if we put it into an investment account and it grows, but I just don't want to touch it right now. That sounds good. And people do that all the time. Those are called executive bonus plans. I can go through many, many hours and tell you how that works. But here's the key thing. That asset is part of the creditor, potentially, of your employer. So your employer goes belly up. You'll stand in line like everybody else, and you'll have to wait to get paid. So don't misconstrue deferred compensation on the public sector. For the private sector, it's totally different. Now, for those of you, primarily those of you who work in government, you have a defined benefit pension plan. And the way those things generally work is like this. You get a percentage. And the percentage is based upon the number of years. In Florida, law enforcement has a fantastic pension. For example, we'll just use a round number of 3%. So you work for 30 years, your pension's 90%. That sounds great. 90% of what? Is it the average of your entire working life, the entire over the last five years? Or does it include overtime? Does it include that has an issue, which we're not gonna talk about, called pension spiking that oftentimes happens in some agencies where these guys and gals just pound away the money at the very end in order to juice their pension. Here's the key thing, qualified and non-qualified. And one of the problems that when you have qualified money, you work for somebody, And, you know, you get a paycheck and you got the 401k, you might have a defined benefit pension plan, but you're not really actively involved in the investment stuff. That is a real big problem because what happens, all of your money is qualified, which is good, but you never were actively involved. And therefore, you never really had a chance to understand how brokerage accounts work and how ownership and loanership and volatility, you just didn't, you didn't develop that habit of managing money. And I can tell you, that is a huge problem with retirees. Again, I've been doing this for well over 33 years, and I can tell you absolutely unequivocally beyond the exclusion of every reasonable doubt, the number of retirees who freak out not knowing what to do because they got all this money is amazing. So here's what I want you to do. Always have some money that you have to deal with, that you have a fiduciary that works with, you've got a good handle on it. you got to have the, both the yin and the yang going because Again, a lot of these plans, if you take money out before 59 and a half, you don't only pay taxes, but you also got a penalty. Now, there's also penalties if you don't take enough out when you turn age 70 and a half. I'm not going to get into all those details. What's the key? Yesterday, we talked about ownership and loanership, and cash is not an investment. Today, it's qualified and non-qualified. That's it. Tomorrow, it'll be, what's going to be tomorrow? Tomorrow will be Wednesday, the eighth day of July. We'll do episode 84, and we'll do another segment in a five-part series, and I think you're really going to like it. Well, thanks for joining me. I'm Paul Truesdell with Fixed Cost Financial. If you have an idea, tip, or trick you want to just opine, give me a call at 888-629-7864. I love saying it. 888-629-7864. Now, we're on Twitter at Fixed Cost Invest, Facebook at Fixed Cost Investing, but the best thing to do is simply go to FixedCostInvesting.com or FixedCostFinancial, either one. We own them both. And for podcast purposes, you want to go straight there, go to dots, D-O-T-S dot F-M. Dots dot F-M. God, I love that. Such a cool thing. Now, if you are listening to us on iTunes or Overcast, Overcast is our favorite podcast player. Marco did a phenomenal job there. Listen. All I want you to do is just uh, subscribe and tell family, friends, neighbors, relatives, and co-workers. we really greatly appreciate that you're listening to Connecting Dots, and they should, too. All rights reserved. Reproduction or use without written authorization prohibited without written authorization. <laughs>